Hey there, and welcome to the Confident Woman Podcast. I'm your host, Rachel Brooks. Join me as I sit down and chat with co-hosts, friends, and carefully curated guests and talk about all the things that empower you to become your best and most confident self. So let's get started. All right, ladies. So today we have with us Barbara Jo Jenkins. Barbara co-authored The Walk West, which became an international bestseller and part of the permanent White House Library. A nonfiction blockbuster, it sold 15 million copies, became a Reader's Digest condensed book, and was chosen as one of the most influential bestsellers related to American culture in the last 100 years. Jenkins' three-year, 3,000-mile walk across America with her former husband became one of the most popular stories in the National Geographic magazine. She co-authored The Road Unseen, a number one mass paperback bestseller and winner of the Gold Medallion Book Award. She went on to write many other books as she has also appeared in various magazines such as Reader's Digest, Today's Christian Woman, Guideposts, National Lifestyles, and on numerous national television programs like Good Morning America and radio programs like Focus on the Family. Barbara has been a keynote speaker at colleges, conferences, and national conventions. She has served as commissioner for two Tennessee governors with board chair for Benton Hall Academy and president of the Tennessee Women's Forum. She is chair of the Green Electric Company and served on the board for Coaching Life Matters for People in Crisis. Jenkins will also be publishing her book that will be releasing in fall of 2023. And that book is called So Long As It's Wild. So we're going to be talking about that incredible story and her book and all of her life's work because this has just been incredible for us to really pull the layers back and take a deep dive into really what Barbara has so much to share in her work and her inspiration behind so many of these books. So Hopefully you guys are going to grab a notebook, a pen, take some notes, and be sure to jot down the titles of these books because you will not want to miss them, and especially her newest release, So Long As It's Wild, which is available everywhere books are sold. So let's dive in. All right, ladies, welcome back. We are super excited to have with us Barbara Jenkins, and she has such a fascinating story and just Really excited to really dive into today's conversation because believe it or not, she has years worth of just breaking 40 years worth of silence. She is coming out with her next upcoming book that actually has just launched and it's already making waves and it's making progress into, you know, really uncovering and discovering more about our journeys. So I'd love to just pass this off to Barbara and welcome and just you know, curious to know a little bit more about you and your journey and how you got to all this awesome stuff that you have been doing. Well, I'm so delighted to be here and thank you for letting me be on your podcast. At the heart of it, I'm a storyteller and I do have a very fascinating story. I did not want to write this book. I fought writing it. You have to understand my background I do. I mean, I've written several books and books that uh, have been international bestsellers, but this is a book I did not want to write. It's called So Long As It's Wild. That is taken from a John Muir quote, said God never made 
an ugly landscape, everything is beautiful so long as it's wild. Now, this book is actually my memoir. It reads more like a novel. It has just been released in September of 2023. And it is already, like you said, making waves. It was endorsed by none other than Dolly Parton, Connie Britton, Hilary Swank, Jedediah Jenkins. But the greatest reviews are from the readers who tell me that it's a page turner. They couldn't put it down. Some people said they read it in one sitting. It has a 4.6 rating on Amazon already, but it's in anywhere you can buy books. They should have it. So this book really, like I said, comes out of 40 years of silence. My background, I grew up in the Ozarks of Missouri as a very poor hillbilly. And so much so that we did not have an indoor toilet until I was about 12 years old. So I grew up sleeping on a rollaway bed in a little lean-to room on the house. We were in the poorest section of town. And so I had to work my way through college. No one in my family on either side had a college education. So I'm the first to have a college education. I had to work my way through. And then I began to work on a master's degree in New Orleans. That's where I met and married this young man who was walking across America. We fell in love. We got married. But part of his dream was he was walking from New York. He walked to New Orleans and then on to the Northwest, the Pacific Ocean. And part of the whole thing, the whole relationship was that I would go with him. But I did not want to go. I'd never been camping a day in my life. So we did marry. We did. And that's another whole story if we have time to tell it, how I decided to go with him. But we walked from New Orleans all the way to the Pacific Northwest on the coast of Oregon at a place called Florence, Oregon. It was 3,000 miles. And we walked every day, 15 to 20 miles a day, carrying 35 to 75 pounds on our backs, sleeping on the ground, sleeping in a tent. So because I came from such poverty in the Ozarks, and grew up without an indoor toilet and had learned how to survive on very little. I mean, my clothes were all handmade or from Goodwill. So it was not that much of a stretch for me to walk across America and to live in a tent for three years. So at no point did I ever feel like I couldn't do it or I was, or that somehow I was entitled. So this journey became so popular. This was back in the 1970s, 1976 to 1979. This was before the internet, before cell phones, before instant communication. So my parents wouldn't hear from me for weeks. We had to send postcards from the road or find a phone booth or something to make phone calls. But it took three years. And when we finished, this walk across America, we were instantly swept up into fame and fortune because we 
were on the cover of National Geographic. And this was in August of 1979. So I ended this famous walk across America two months pregnant with my first child. And so she was born in August of 1979. Well, the magazine, we were on the cover of National Geographic magazine in August of 1979. But out of that came worldwide exposure and publishers contacting us from all over the country, wanting us to write books and to write about our journey, which we did. So there were books called A Walk Across America, The Walk West, The Road Unseen, all national, international bestsellers. The Walk West became a part of the permanent White House library. It's these books sold in the millions. But if, as you can imagine, with fame and fortune, your life changes dramatically. We bought a beautiful picturesque farm in Middle Tennessee. We had two more children, so we had three beautiful, perfect children. But with fame and fortune can come a lot of pitfalls, and my marriage began to crumble. And the temptations were there because my husband was gone all the time, traveling, speaking, doing autographings. Although I co-authored these books, I was at home, keeping the home fires burning and taking care of three children. But anyway, the marriage failed, and so I ended up having to start my life over. So all the fame, all the fortune, it disappeared. And I became a single parent of three children and began my life over. My children were seven, four, and two, so I had little ones and had to start. And it wasn't easy, even though we had, we had fame and fortune for a time, but the royalties started waning. We had assets, but they were tied up in property. And so unless you want to just give away property, you have to have cash to pay the bills and pay the rent and buy the groceries and all that. So I went through a lot of years of struggle of making ends meet and raising the kids, a lot of lawsuits, a lot of legal battles. So the story is truly of my life from starting out as a poor hillbilly with nothing, reaching fame and fortune. We were known as kind of the sweethearts of adventure and then losing it all and having to start all over. So it is a page turner. There are lots of twists and turns, lots of drama, laughter. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll be angry. You have all kinds of emotions through the pages of this book. Wow. I don't know about you, but I'm already adding this to my Amazon list because I'm intrigued. I'm leaning in as you're just sharing. I'm thinking, if I'm doing this just on our conversations, I can't wait to dive into the book. So, oh my goodness, I'm excited to learn more about, you know, really, I'm sure you share all this in, in the books. But, you know, as you talk about the journey, which I think is fascinating because it was about just going with it, right? Not really thinking through that everything will be provided, everything will be cared for. Because I'm sure as you were young and in a new marriage and a new relationship and having to walk across for three years, there's got to be, you know, lots of fears, right? Lots of like, oh, 
right? Uh, can we talk through some of those yeah. things? <laughs> yeah. Let me tell you a couple of stories. When we were walking across America, first of all, there were so many high adventures. We trapped alligators in the swamps of Louisiana. We were almost struck by lightning and and caught up in a tornado. We were attacked by outlaws in southeastern Colorado. I was hit by a car in Utah. I walked across Oregon in the coldest winter since 1919. There were many, many times I wanted to quit. What had I gotten myself into? We were in West Texas, and it was hot. You could fry an egg on the pavement. And we were in this very lonely, open kind of desert area, and up pulls this white pickup truck. And inside are these old ranchers, Homer and Ruby Martin. They invited us back to their house. First of all, they gave us some cold water to drink and invited us back to their ranch. They lived in a little modest three-room ranch house that they had built back in the 1930s. They were in their 60s at this time. So we spent several days with Homer and Ruby, and they had never had any children, but Ruby came to Texas in a covered wagon. So I sat at the feet of people across America who had, they were living pioneers. They had stories to tell, and they were as fascinating to me as maybe I am to you at this moment. But Ruby, we had a big storm had blown up and a big tornado was coming. It was, we could see the funnel off in the distance and it came up to the edge of their property. And I knew that Homer and Ruby had lived here in West Texas their whole lives and they knew when to run for the root cellar or what to do. And we sat there or we watched out the window and the door. This tornado just tear up the country, the roar of it. And then we watched it veer off to the north. And Homer said, yeah, it was tearing up Vernon. That was a town about 50 miles away. So after this tornado passed and it was after a storm, if you've ever paid attention after a storm, it's like, you can smell the fresh earth and the, the stars come out at night and it was a black night and the stars were twinkling and Ruby and I were sitting there on, on the porch talking. Earlier that day, she had seen me look at a United States map and we were looking at our route and my heart just sank and I'm sure my face showed my concern because I was just in Texas and I still had to walk all the way to Oregon. Now this is one day, one step, one foot, one mile at a time. And she saw the expression on my face. We were sitting on the porch after this tornado passed and she was just asking me about the walk. And I started to talk about all the blisters and the pain and the this and and my marriage was, I mean, it wasn't dreamy. We were sleeping on the ground, on the hard ground. There was no drinking wine and soft beds to crawl into. And Ruby, this pioneer woman, she looked at me in the dark. And she had this old West Texas drawl. And she'd say, shoot, girl. Well, there ain't nothing, there ain't nothing too hard. 
She said, you ain't lived till you've picked cotton all day long in the hot Texas sun for 25 cents, a hundred pounds. She said, well, shoot, girl, you can do this. Law, it ain't nothing. It ain't nothing. Well, it was people like Ruby, women who were true pioneers, full of courage and grit and boldness and fearlessness. And she didn't pat me on the back and say, oh, you poor, pitiful girl. I'm just so sorry for you. I know this is hard. She didn't feel sorry for me. She challenged me and said, you can do this. You can rise to the occasion, girl. Wow. This is so fascinating. And not only are you an author, but the way you tell the story, it's so captivating too, because it's like, I'm clinging on to every single word that you're sharing because I want to hear more and I want to hear about these lessons. And, and you know that you face these situations and the individuals that you come across. And it's like, those were the lessons that you got to pick up and think of three years of traveling 3000 miles, all the lessons. It's just a wonderful thing. It's, you know, when we look at life and we say, well, we got life lessons and we think of our stories and our narratives and their experiences. And I'm just thinking, how many of us have actually really, really lived, like lived to beyond, lived to push, lived to those challenges? And I think this is what's so fascinating is that you knew, given the circumstances, you had to keep going because otherwise you got to turn back and walk the other way around, right? So you're kind of in this journey where it's like, you have to keep moving forward. I think what's missing for young women today is that you don't have these kind of mentors. Women who have been through so much more, so much, the circumstances have been so hard and so much more. And we get caught up in, oh, it's too uncomfortable. That doesn't fit what I like to do. Or, you know, this is uncomfortable for me. Well, hey, life is uncomfortable. You can rise to the occasion and you can do this. And I needed that kind of kick in the pants from women who didn't take pity on me, who didn't feel sorry for me or enable me in my whining and my complaining, but they challenged me to be all that I could be, to be who I could be and who I really was deep down. So my own grandmother Back in the Ozarks, where I grew up, she had traveled as a child by covered wagon to Arkansas. And so my grandmother, and I grew up next door to her, my grandmother never had air conditioning. She had a wood stove. She cooked on a wood stove. She didn't have indoor plumbing until she was about 80 years old. And so I grew up sitting at her feet, listening to her tell stories. And my grandmother never whined. She never complained. In my whole life, I cannot remember her complaining about a single thing. And so when I was on the walk, there was something deep within me. Maybe it was in my DNA. I don't know. But there was something deep within me that said, would this make my ancestors proud? Would they think I was just a whining diva out here when they had been through so much and they had so little? And here I was on the road walking across America. I had the best outdoor equipment you could buy. 
Jansport was a new company and they donated all this outdoor equipment. So we had the best that money could buy. But I learned at the feet of so many incredible women across this country. I stayed in their homes. I ate at their tables. I slept on their beds. And the difference between those women and women today is that these women knew who they were. They weren't trying to break any glass ceiling. They weren't trying to have their name on a card that showed their value and their worth. They knew their value and their worth. I love that you mentioned that because it's such an interesting conversation and direction, but I couldn't agree with you more. I look back at the through line, even from my ancestors and the women in my family, it's they came from absolutely nothing, like having to come from their motherland and, you know, immigrating here. And we're just a couple generations from that. And we knew the strife and the hardship and everything it took just to survive at that point and what little was left over that would be any sort of surprise or a, a treat or something that they looked forward to that and became so prideful, like, oh my gosh, it was so meaningful. Where now, I just think that we live in a whole different world where everything is so fast-paced, instant gratification, instant delivery, instant, 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 that when life does get challenging, we just want to hit that instant button to get over it. And I don't think that we want to push ourselves through that discomfort because that's where the challenges are. are. And I think that as we go through our challenges and you know difficulties, they're there to strengthen us and to develop us and give us the character, you know, the characteristics that we need to go into this next realm of battling something, you know, more challenging. Right? It's all in preparation for something bigger and better. And I think that that's what was missing. When I was walking across America, I learned a very valuable lesson. And it was no matter how big that map or how far I had to go, I could only do it one step at a time. And so I had to learn the value of pacing myself. I had to learn the value of patience and long suffering and waiting and delayed gratification. So I had to learn all those lessons. And those were very physical lessons and carrying, you know, if you've got young mothers out there with a 30 or 35 pound toddler, think of carrying that weight on your back for 15 or 20 miles a day. So there were times I would have to walk 10 miles before we came to a little town or a cafe or someplace to eat. So I know what it means to wait I know what it means to walk by faith and believe that there are better times. There's a meal ahead. There's rest ahead. There's hope ahead. So you just keep putting one foot in front of the other and you keep going. But today, like you say, it's such an instant world. Everybody wants everything now. They don't want to have to wait on anything. Kids don't even want to have to wait on Christmas. Get it now. Get it now. But there are valuable lessons in learning how to wait, how to persevere. And if you have to suffer a bit, you know what? That's good for you. That's good for you. And it's okay because no one gets through this life without trouble, challenges, 
some suffering, some injustices, being treated unfairly. It's part of life. But each person has their own destiny. And you can find your destiny. And you're not going to do it sitting there whining and complaining and moaning and groaning. You've got to get up and you got to go for it. Yeah, it's uh, interesting how a thought earlier came to me, and it's just something as a personal side from this morning. And I felt myself get to this place where so many thoughts feel like they're overwhelming. And this could be, you know, use in context of anything that one's going through. It was a simple analogy, but the thoughts felt so overwhelming that instead of sitting there thinking them through, which is like what we can do when the world feels like it's all, you know, things are coming at us. It was this moment where I just said, I have to get up get out and get going. And with all those thoughts, I was forced to now at this moment, just only focus on the two things, put one foot in front of the other, one, two, and breathe in and out, one, two. And those are the only two things that mattered. Keep moving and keep breathing. And it's like everything else just disappeared from those thoughts because I came back from this walk and I was like, everything I just felt that short bit ago, how quickly we can really center ourselves and focus on what matters. And then just your message right there, keep moving, keep going, keep moving. And, you know, no matter what you're going to face, something that's going to not be good, but yet to get on that other side, you have to keep moving to experience the good. And there's so much of this beauty that has come from your journey. And I'd love to hear just more about the journey as well. You know, where you mentioned it led you to fame and fortune and all of this kind of came to a head where you found yourself, you've lost it all. And now what? You're starting back over again. And how was that at this time? Because I think this could be, you know, applicable in any circumstance and situation where what are we striving for? What happens when we get it all? And then how do we, one, are we sustaining it? Or did something happen where it sets us back and now we can start overcoming it, but from a place of not starting over completely? Because you've came with all kinds of experience now. So I'm sure that the curve was a lot shorter than it was when you first started out? Well, it was and it wasn't. I had three young children. And my focus at that time was raising the children and being able to support them. Well, even though I had all this experience, because we were famous and because my ex-husband was kind of the focal point, it wasn't as though I could just step right in and keep writing books and, and generating this interest because he was the star. I wasn't. So I had to start over in his shadow. And it was very difficult for many years dealing with the loss of finances and raising three children. I had one child with special needs. I had another child who became very rebellious. So I had a lot of issues going on. And anyone who is a parent knows that no matter how great your career can be and how much you want to find yourself in this career, these children need you more than anything in the world. And so my goal for all those years, I wanted to be the stability, the anchor, and to be able to raise up my children and give them the sense of security and place and direction that they needed. Because all children from broken homes, they've got a broken little heart. 
and they need that safety. They need that safe place. So that was my goal. In fact, I had one podcast interviewer said to me, Barbara, what do you want your legacy to be? Because I've had this big, epic life. And I said, you know, what's really most important to me is what my children think of me and what they say about me. That's the most important thing. But I think for women who are going through transition and trying to find themselves and and build themselves back up and find a way to make a way, part of it, again, is going back to taking one day, one step at a time. Get the right people around you who can be supportive of you. When I was going through so many of these rebuilding chapters of my life, I started a group called 12 Women. And it was patterned for any of your audience out there who is in a faith community. I come out of a faith community. And of course, in the Bible, there were 12 disciples. And so I started a group called 12 Women. And out of this group, we met in my home every week for two years. And then we continued to meet every month and then every six months. But we met over a period of 10 to 12 years. And out of that, we had women from all walks of life, and we would meet, and one person every week would lead the group, and the topic was different. Then we would have a roundtable discussion and then close in a circle of prayer. Well, that group helped me through some of the darkest times. So I would say for women in transition, you need to find a good support system and not be looking for love in all the wrong places because that's what we all tend to do. We got a big hole in our heart and we want to rush out and fill it and be comforted and taken care of and feel secure and loved. Well, that may come, but you want the right kind of love and you want the right kind of comfort. You don't want just a vagabond or somebody passing through your life because in your own heart, you want that same love and security that you're trying to give to your children. Yeah, that's such a great point because what we're longing for internally, we tend to seek externally, but it's actually there within us. And we get to bring people in proximity of just like-minded, right? So that concept of, you know, surrounding yourself with like-minded individuals because they bring out the best in you. And what the best in you is actually what you're looking for in others, where sometimes you just need that help for them to show you your greatness within. I think what we all want is to be affirmed, to be heard, to be seen. And so I know in this particular support group, we were all from married, unmarried, all different careers, walks of life. And so we all brought unique perspectives to the table. So it wasn't just one person. And we would not allow our meetings to go into some kind of one woman's gripe session. It was designed to really meet the needs of everybody. And so, but that helped me through a lot of very turbulent years. And then I started a company and which became successful. And then my kids are all grown. I have two grandchildren. My oldest daughter got her 
master's in journalism. And today she's taught at the college level, but today her passion, she loves horses and she rides competitively. My oldest son graduated from USC in California, then Pepperdine Law School. Then he went on a great adventure, rode his bike from Florence, Oregon, where his dad and I finished our walk to the tip of South America, wrote a book about it. It became a New York Times bestselling book. And now he's on his third book. Then my youngest son is in real estate, has his own company, and lives on a, on a beautiful mini farm, not too far from me. I have two granddaughters. So my energies and my focus was really on my family for all those years. So I didn't want to go back and go through my whole life and remember all this stuff. But here's the thing. Once a writer, you're always a writer. It's always there. So my office was full of tens of thousands of photographs from National Geographic, my actual journals from when I walked across America, stacks of newspaper articles. So all the material was there. So it was my granddaughter. She was seven at the time. And she said to me, Yo-Yo, my name is Yo-Yo. Did you really walk across America? And all of a sudden the light bulbs came on. I knew I had to do this. Well, six years earlier, I had been at a picnic in Telluride, Colorado, with a group of young adults, a lot of people in the entertainment industry, and one of them was Aaron Paul from Breaking Bad, and another was Sophia Bush from television, One Tree Hill. And they said, Barbara, you need to tell your story. It would make such a great movie. I just laughed and I thought, yeah, you just tell everybody that. Well, six years passed and then my granddaughter says to me, Yo-Yo, did you really walk across America? That was all I needed. It pushed me over the edge. It took me 40 years to come out of silence to write this. And it took three literal years to write this book. It's just released and we're already getting some inquiries about movie rights and that sort of thing. It is, I mean, it reads more like a novel. I think it would make a good movie, as a matter of fact. But I'm too old. I don't care about fame and celebrityhood. Like I said, what's really most important to me, what do my children and grandchildren say about me? What do they think of me? When I think of my grandmother, all she had was a little old cotton dress and a tattered apron. She never had any modern conveniences, and yet, oh, she loved me with her whole heart, and she would brush my hair and tell me stories. And so when I think of my grandmother, who had nothing, and traveled in a covered wagon, and then one day I would be walking across America. But when I think of her, it's not about fame or fortune or money or anything else. It's about this wonderful soul who loved me and nurtured me and, and helped make me, I think, into the woman that I am. And so that's how I hope my children and grandchildren will feel about me. Well said. That's such a beautiful sentiment. It's like, you know, when we go through life, sometimes we have to figure out, you know, why are we doing this? And I think, you know, going back to your point about today's world, it's like, 
the instant gratification and and the instant fame and success. And it feels like if you're not at that point, then you haven't made it. But you really hit home with the slowing down and the, uh, you know, perseverance and patience. And, you know, really those are the fruits of the soul. And I think that as we sometimes, whether intentionally or unintentionally, as we have it all and we lose it all, it really puts things into perspective as to what really matters. And I think that that might have been where my thought of the day kind of came from was that in perspective, it's not about all these worldly things. It's about what you leave behind. It's about the lives that you touch and the impact you make. It's about what those people that you pour your heart and soul into, your friends and your family, what they really think about you. And I think that when we're living in this online space, we forget that because we're trying to achieve something that is unachievable. And that's being for everyone out there when the most important people that need you and want you and love and appreciate you, all those things that, you know, validation, they're right here. And we forget, and we forget to just be in the moment to really cherish that. So this is a beautiful story. I, I love that that question was brought up. You said by another interview that you were on. And that's a really great point because it's like, what are we trying to leave behind? And you said, I had everything. And I want none of it except what matters most. And that's my family. Yes. Oh, yes. And in today's world, it's like with the click on a keyboard, you can dismiss people. You can get rid of people. Or you can say ugly things because you're hiding behind a screen. And those things are so hurtful. It's just like bad medicine. It's not good for you. And so I'm glad I wrote this book. I'm glad it's out there. I'm glad it's getting good reviews, but my greatest joy is when I hear someone say how it really gave them courage or it gave them hope or it gave them encouragement. And obviously, at the end of the day, it's called the takeaway in a book. I want the reader to take away that you do have a destiny and you do have a purpose and your life is important and valuable and keep seeking, keep searching until you find it because you want to be a light in this world. Yes. Yes. Oh my goodness. This has just been, like I said, an incredible conversation. And I love that you just shared, you know, as much as we can in this short amount of time, because obviously we got to read your book to learn more and read more, but it's, been a fascinating conversation because it's a pull from both, you know, what we think that we should be going after versus what really matters and that slowing down. And, you know, sometimes it takes those big challenges to knock us down to realize that. And I think, you know, unfortunately, sometimes it takes people those big monumental moments to set somebody back before they realize that. But I think this is something that we can be proactive and start picking our heads up from our own fast paced life. And take a look around and say, why are we, why are we driving so fast? Why are we going so fast? Everything we need is here. Why are we so angry, so full of rage and hostility? And again, I go back to Ruby Martin in West Texas. And she was a mentor to me and didn't even know it. But she imparted that wonderful spirit of courage and endurance and the things that I needed at that time. And I hope in some small way that that's what my book does for the reader who gets 
And believe me, you'll get sucked into those stories in those pages. <laughs> I'm sure anyone will, because I, like I said, just this conversation, I'm sucked in. I'm like leaning in as close as could be on this screen. So those who are listening are like, okay, this has just truly been fascinating. And, you know, you mentioned your book is sold available everywhere books are sold. You know, probably everyone's favorite is Amazon. But how can people learn more about you and, you know, staying in the know of where where you're going with this the book and possible taking it to screen? So how can people stay in touch and learn more about you? Well, great. I'd love to hear from your listeners, especially if anyone does get the book and they read it. Oh, I'd love to hear your feedback. But you can reach me on my website. It's just BarbaraJoeJenkins.com. That's a good Southern name. Joe is J-O, BarbaraJoeJenkins.com, or I'm on Instagram at Barbara Jenkins Writer. And you can see, you know, current things and things I'm doing and places I'm going. A lot of people, I tell what's called porch stories, and I'll get on my porch swing, and I'll tell little three-minute stories. And I've had some people say, oh, Barbara, I wish you would write a book about your porch stories. Maybe that's what's next, those little short takeaways. I don't know. I don't know. I just, you know, I got to get over this book first. Yes. Well, you just published it. This is, yeah. Literally, it just came out today. And in the past week, we've had two film and TV scouts contact me and the publisher about it. You know, we'll see. I think this book, this is just my personal opinion. I think it's a perfect book club kind of book where women, because there's so many topics in there. And I wish, I mean, one quick little 30-minute story here. In Oregon, my last Christmas on the road, we spent it with a Japanese-American family. They invited us in their home. And here's this 70-year-old Japanese woman with gray hair who is washing my feet. She's kneeling and washing my feet were by the wood stove. And I'm thinking about this woman. And she was in a concentration camp after World War II when all the Japanese were herded and put in camps because of World War II. She was a Japanese-American. So I tell that story and the realization that came to me as this sweet little lady was washing my feet. There was no bitterness, no anger in her heart. And I thought the same red blood runs in my veins that runs in hers. There's no difference. We're all human beings. But so many stories like that. But anyway, it's a great book club selection where people can sit around and talk about all these different insights and stories and revelations and and lessons in life. Yeah. And the, I think the biggest lesson is that we are more alike than we are different. Yes. And if we stop to look around, we'll, we'll realize that. And if we, you know, being kind and patient to those that are closest to us will slow us in our role as well so that we can really step into, you know, being more in that caring, loving and compassionate place where we can see people for who they are and they are people. And I think that that's the common thread is that we are all, all human beings. We've all, have stories. We've all had different walks of life. We all have different experiences. But when we can look past that and see that there's you in me and me in you. Yes. Yeah. 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 Absolutely. 
Absolutely. And no matter what your socioeconomic level, what color your skin, we're all human beings. When you peel out, peel off all these surface things and you get down and there's nothing that becomes more real in your life when you're walking 20 miles a day, one foot in front of the other in all kinds of weather and temperatures that all those layers fall to the wayside. There's nothing there. There's no fancy cars, fancy clothes, no jewelry, nothing. And you come to terms with your own humanity and who you are and your short time on this earth. Yeah. Very well said. I'm excited. I'm I'm seriously buying a booklet right now. And I I, I want to read it. I want to know more about it. And it's just this has just been such a fascinating conversation. So I just really want to thank you for your time, your stories, and more importantly, just the wisdom that you have shared with our listeners. I know that I've gained so much. So I just want to thank you for this. Well, you have blessed me by allowing me to tell some of these stories. So I hope in some way that something I've said has been helpful to your listeners. Absolutely. Well, thank you. And of course, we're going to share all the links in our show notes below. So be sure to check that out. So thank you again, Barbara. And we look forward to hopefully seeing your book on the big screen soon. Oh, well, thank you so much. And thank you to all your listeners. Thank you. Hey there. Thank you so much for joining me on today's episode of the Confident Woman Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode as much as I did, please be sure to like, subscribe, and leave us a review. Thanks again for listening. 